Welcome to the Next Issue Podcast. We're a group of friends that love talking comics and all that it entails. Uh, we're based out of Dallas, so you'll hear us talk about how these comics make up a part of our daily lives, including our local comic shop, conventions, and other forms of entertainment. Welcome. All right, welcome. Good morning, everyone. Uh, we uh, today we have Daniel, Josh, and Kyle. How are you guys doing? What's up? Doing well. Great, great to hear. Um, so we'll start with our, our previously on next issue segment, and we'll go from there. Previously on X Men. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, so if I, if this this past few week, I read. I finally read the the Green Lantern Volume Two, The Fallen Stars by Graham Morrison uh, and Liam Sharp. Is that issues 7 through 12? Yeah, correct. So it, okay, it, all right. it, it fills out the first part of the series. Right, and okay. Let me tell you, that comic book oh. is, is wild. Yeah. Um, I'm not... I, have you guys read the first volume, either of you? I've, no. I've, I've read the first year. I was getting them as they came out monthly. And I love it. I think my only complaint right now is if, and I haven't looked into it, but I feel like at the end of issue 12, when he, spoiler, uh, when what when what happens, happens, um, they end that title and then it becomes a new title, right? Correct. It's a, it's a, it becomes Black Stars for three issues and then it goes into, which just le- relaunched recently, uh, season two. So okay, okay. I like, I like that it, it's being treated kind of like a TV show, uh, which it is, right? It's a police procedural for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and but it like it's man. I, I read it, and part of me still doesn't know what I read. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But, it, but it, it's full of like cool moments where like uh, like every time I see that Green Lantern with the volcano head, like uh, I just love it. Uh, then you get some really cool callbacks, um, and this is a, a small spoiler, but you guys remember the the Green Lantern Batman from Elseworlds? Yeah, yes, he shows up in this. Yep, yep. And, At the end, there's a there's like a Green Lanterns of the multiverse. Yeah, uh, yeah. show up. So yeah, Elseworlds was actually one of my favorite DC uh, annuals that they they did that year. Or I mean, I know it's like twenty years old, but those were some of my favorites. I thought. Yeah, and it, I mean, he looks so cool because it's like Batman and Green Lantern. But um, yeah, it's just like it's full of moments like that where each issue, it's like a small episode, but it does have an overarching story. So you can kind of read them on. I think there's one that's like a two-parter. So so it definitely feels like a TV show, which is interesting for a comic to try to do. Uh, maybe this is Morrison pitching his Green Lantern series to HBO. <laughs> Well, I think no, I, I think, no. We got John Diggle, who's going to be Green Lantern. Let's leave it there. <laughs> well, he could he could be in it, right? I mean, that'd be cool. Um, I the the thing I like about it is, and I think particularly in the volume two that you read, is that there's there are so many standalone issues 
that when I read them month to month, it felt very much like reading comics in the 80s. Yeah. You know, like you just, you went, you picked up a comic, you got a story from cover to cover. Everything wasn't part of a big arc. Uh, now, it is, there is a bigger story, but there are these little single issues in that back half of that first year that are just really great. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely recommend anybody that there's way more Green Lantern Easter eggs than I probably recognize. Um, <laughs> because I'm not, I'm, I'm I really been more of a, since Rebirth kind of like going forward, that's when I read Green Lantern. Uh, mm. So, but there's so much more, there's so much more. Um, so that's what I've kind of been re reading and watching this week. Josh, what uh, what have you been up to? Oh gosh. Um, let's see. We, um, <clears throat> I haven't been reading a lot of comics lately. I've been so busy at work. Uh, but I did read uh, bad weekend by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips for the comic book club. That was fantastic. Uh, just a really, really good, uh, clay suggested that book for it. And it's just wonderful. <laughs> like it's a, it's a, it's a breezy sit down for a couple hours and just read it and have a tight story and it's one that also has a lot of callbacks to comics industry history uh which is quite nice um and then the only other thing i've been reading uh i kick-started uh the first issue of a comic called cities of magic and as i say this i look up uh, who these are. i know one is a guy by the name of uh, jacob free oh my tablet's wigging out hang on um it's uh jacob free and his name william this is not showing up um jacob free and wilt tempest and uh it's 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 a really intriguing book it, it's kind of a blend of uh post-apocalyptic fantasy um i guess a bit of uh those two really like a post-apocalyptic fantasy book uh in the in the 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 prelude to the first issue which you can read for free on the kickstarter page um basically all technology in the world just ends and there's uh it basically goes back to this sort of dark age but what comes out of it is some scientists discover portals to m magical power and so it's 150 years in the future and basically magic is now the main technology and uh what's you know and so by by the point in the story that you get to where that seems to be the norm you get introduced to the main character who's a, a young guy who's you know it's it's very uh gen z kind of idea he's adamantly non-magical <laughs> he he has an old style pistol on him he wants he walks into a clothing store and he's like do you carry boots and they're like well yeah do you want flying boots do you want grippy boots like i just want boots and he's like you know um do you have any boots with this symbol and he unfolds a piece of paper and he shows it to her and it's the nike logo <laughs> and she's like is that a glyph like is that a rune what is that did you draw that yourself it's really bad um so it's it has a nice little twist on it that's kind of cool and so um i mean the first issue for backers just dropped i think i got it this week and so um i'm excited to see what they do going forth but uh, yeah it was great Cool. That sounds good. Yeah, didn't they make that into like into cartoons twice? I think one was called Thunder the Barbarian, and the second one was a visionary. <laughs> oh, and don't forget Thundercats. Uh, no, I know. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah no. But that was like, yeah, I guess in a way that was Thundercats too. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's yeah, it's it's not a new idea. I think I think I I, I liked it only when the main character showed up. Because then it felt, you know, as a, a college instructor, it, it, it someone that sees people way younger than me uh, every day, it felt very much of that generation rather than a retread on these on this kind of old trope. So yeah, I don't know. It was cool. Nice, uh, Kyle. What about you? What you been up to? Um, let's see. I read the last issue of the Flash. Fast forward. Where oh. basically Wally's been trying to redeem himself from you know what he did in. Uh, I still haven't uh, read that, so. Tread well, I mean, well, I'm, oh, I'm going to put it this way: is it, they've been putting it out there. Uh, we got Watchmen back again. Yeah, that's true. Because Wally is now the new Doctor Manhattan. Holy crap! I saw a headline with that. This makes no sense to me. So, what? <laughs> He's in the Morbius chair. And so now he has like the expanded knowledge of all the DC universe. He saved the multiverse and now he's a new Dr. Manhattan. And so like, you know, they're going to be going into the new generation, I guess, starting in March or April where they're going to like, sorry, I guess they're doing the revising DC history yet again. And so it's just, he's going to be the new Dr. Manhattan overseeing everything. I'm just like, really? (laughs) I don't know. Is he, is he blue and butt naked? I think that's the main thing. Blue. Yes. Butt naked. No. Still wearing the uh, flesh. Well, is he really Doctor Manhattan? Man, I mean, you yes, have to be under. He's got the he's got the circle on the dot in his head. head. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's good. As long as he um, keeps that that cool haircut and the cowl. Yeah, he still got it. Okay, uh, read the most recent uh, Justice League, which this is where it gets confusing. They have they have a two part. They have a current story arc going on, which apparently is supposed to take place before Snyder's run ended. So it's before the heroes, you're the hero and stuff. So this is like basically they're on Earth. And the Eradicators come back and is leading an army of Daxamites. And so it's the Justice League trying to stop the Eradicator and Daxamites from, like, taking over Earth. I, I saw that cover because – so I stopped picking up Justice League 2 when, when Snyder's run ended in 39, I think. Yeah, yeah. So now 40 and 41, but apparently this, this story takes place before Snyder runs in. So oh, okay. it, people, a lot of people have been confused. And it's not a bad story, but I want to see what happens at the end of Snyder's run. I want to see where the Justice League went. Yeah, I, I do. I am. Uh, I am curious to see more Justice League stories that are more grounded, as as opposed to like the big cosmic. Which I, I also like the big cosmic events, but we've been doing big cosmic Justice League stuff since the Rebirth launch, and that's like yeah, it feels like I agree. Like, you know, with with Dark Knight's Metal and like, uh, and then this stuff with uh, Eternia, or I think that's Perpetua. Yeah, Perpetua. Like, like it's all. It's a lot to wrap your mind around. I just kind of want to see the the Justice League like stop a bank robbery or something, and then go. <laughs> like, this, is it. this is it. Forty and forty one kind of are that. It's more grand. Grand. It has the Daxamites, but it's it's taking place in like a, a city on Earth. It's not like they're not going out into the universe right. and exploring. It, this is actually more of a grander, like kind of old eighties and early nineties Justice League kind of story. Which is is kind of what uh, I was enjoying about the Jason Aaron run before the War of the Realms stuff for the Avengers, yeah. that. They're fighting vampires and like they're, you know, like they're discovering their origins and stuff like that. Exactly. And I think now after War of the Realms, they're like, they're going to fight like a Justice Society, like the whatever the, the group that's the equal to the Justice League in the Marvel Universe, like Hyperion and... Oh, Squadron Supreme. Yeah, Squadron Supreme. So like there's a lot of that stuff going on, right? Uh, so I like that stuff too in my big, big group hero games or big, big group hero books. 
I'm also like I also read them like I've also been reading the most recent Thor. Now Thor is the, the all all father, and he's now the most powerful being in the Marvel universe because now he's a herald of Galactus. That's a really cool premise, <sighs> and I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> I when uh, in the last issue, he I'll just say this: he fought Beta Ray Bill. Oh, I know, I read and it. It's, it's dope. <laughs> it's super cool. Yeah. So that, it's that's, interesting, but but, it, but again, it's like DC. They're not tying it into the continuity because right now in the Avengers. They're still in space. You still got Thor, who's invented by a brood, and they're trying to save the, the new birth of the star brand. Yeah. So it's like again, continuity wise, they're not keep, they're not keeping. I guess they're DC in it all. It's in the Donny Cates verse. <laughs> yeah, DC it all. Um. All right. Cool. Uh. Now, I also know you wanted to talk a little bit about He Man and the Masters of the Universe. Kyle. Yeah. So, uh, the current comic book, it, it's. Again, if you're a He-Man fan, I think you'll enjoy it, but it's called He-Man and Masters of the Multiverse. Basically, you have uh, this one version of He-Man who's the villain on this one, or uh, like, I, God, I'm forgetting the name of the Eternia, but it's like Eternia Dark. And basically, he's going through these different realms or different uh, dimensions of Eternia and basically trying to kill and take the power of the He-Man so he can become the ultimate person and rule the whole multiverse. So you have it to where I think the first issue started with like the He-Man that was in Injustice. And you basically, on this Earth, you have Keldor, who is Skeletor, uh, alias, and also he's also He-Man's uncle. And basically you have He-Man, uh, the Dolph Lundgren He-Man from the movie, and then you have this, they had this a touch game from the iPad that was He-Man, I can't remember the name of it, but they have this little, almost super deformed little He-Man, who they go in and save Keldor, and they're trying to use him to stop uh, the dark He-Man from going to the different uh, universes and killing and gaining all the power. And so, like, the second issue dealt with He-Man from the 1990 New Avengers of He-Man. The third one dealt with the, uh, the Mike Young productions from 2003. And then the most recent issue, they're on the Filmation Earth. And they, I mean, not just the art, but Filmation. Like, you actually have He-Man there giving, like, don't hit anybody because it's not right. Giving, like, the, you know, it's almost like they're, you know, one sequence when the Dolph Lundgren He-Man and Keldor are in this vent, and they're listening to He-Man give Orko like, "You need to keep your room clean because it's not good to let you know somebody just step on something." And it was like re—it's like reading filmmaking <laughs> cartoon. They got it down to a T. <laughs> Sounds so, wild. It, it's fun. It's fun. Like it, it, I think it's only got one or two more issues. So it's, it's a limited series, but you so, know, it's just you know, go ahead. No, this is the stuff that came out after the Injustice crossover, right? Yes. Yeah. So again, it's like again, everything these days is getting a multiverse. Marvel has its own multiverse. DC has its own multiverse. The Turtles have their own multiverse. Archie has its own multiverse. Now He Man's got its own multiverse. So it's like I'm and I'm waiting for you know, tra- I mean, Transformers has got its own multiverse. You know, everything's got their own multiverse now. So it's kind of a cool way to like let people know like, hey, the stuff you liked before, like it's still there. So please don't like come protest at our place or whatever. Like, you know, your 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 He Man <coughs> cartoons is still safe. Exactly. And that was the whole thing. It's like, you know, we used to be, we grew up in an age where we were like, okay, so this Batman is is really grim and dark, but this Batman used to be funny and, you know, and slapstick. And it's like, how's this happening? You realize, well, there are multiple different versions. You don't have to say like, you know, this is all in the same continuity. It's like, how is he different here? It's like, just say, there are different Earths. You know, yeah. there was Earth, again, back to DC, Earth 1, Earth 2. You had Jay Garrick, you had Barry Allen. So, you know, it's a, a nice way to kind of let people know it's like, you still have your, like you said, your own version. You may not get it all the time, but it's still safe. It's kind of like, uh, oh, sorry, Josh, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was just, so as, like, I'm curious, not having read these, uh, how, um, 
how easy is it for a, a brand new reader to jump into them? Like if they, I mean, and I know this is an old model, but if they're at the store and they see this cool He-Man comic, like I used to watch your cartoon, you know, yeah. and they pick it up, like, will it make sense to them or? I is think it... so. I, no, yeah. Okay. I mean, they, I mean, they explain it right off. Like, I think they have, it, it. Uh, okay. I don't know if it's Zodiac, but, Zodiac, but I think they kind of explain the very first part. Like there's a multiverse. There are different universes with different He-Man. And this small, tr- a small team of He-Mans are jumping the universes to stop the evil He-Man. So I mean, I, you, okay. you, you, you pretty much got to explain in the first issue, the first half of the issue, if not anything. So I think they'll be able to uh, follow along and kind of, you know, not be lost. They may not know okay. which He-Man. They may have never seen these He-Mans before, but it shouldn't be that hard to understand. It's like there are different universes. Sounds uh, okay. Sounds, sounds very highline there. Well, I mean, if, if, <laughs> let's say let's say they never read He-Man, but they watched the CW shows. Yeah. If they've been keeping current with you know, everything up until crisis, it shouldn't be that hard to follow. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like, I don't know if you guys saw, that there's a new Thundercats thing coming out, but it's way different. It's already, it's already, oh, yeah. It's been out. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's bad. On what? There, there's something on uh, Cartoon Network. Oh, okay. God, I don't I know if it's bad, but it's for kids. It's not for like, like – Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you can so, – it, it has that whole – Cal arts look to it. Yeah, so. but I like there, there, and I'm getting chastised by a lot of my friends. But they, I, I admit it is bad. But there's something humorous about watching. If you, if you need something really dumb just to kind of watch and maybe just get a little laugh from, from my opinion, it's that. You know, I, I know it's not the Thundercats from you know 1986. It's not Thundercats from 2012. It's just a different take and a stupid yeah. take. But just you know, again, what did we all think about Teen Titans Go when it first came out? Right, exactly. And that was actually what I was going to bring up. That was such a if you were a fan of the original Teen Titans cartoon and then Go comes out, you're like, what is this? Like, I want to yeah. see what happens as normal, you know? So, yeah. So okay. it's, I, I say, give it, you know, don't, don't just judge on the first episode. You got, I mean, I think they're like eight or nine episodes in now, but I mean, it's just, again, realize it's dumb, stupid humor, like almost kind of, in some ways, not wouldn't say uh, bathroom humor, but still dumb humor, but you know, give it a shot. But right. it's not it's not like Steven Universe where it looks a certain way, but it has a lot exactly. underneath yeah. it, right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, if some people might try to compare it to like the regular show or uh, some of the other stuff. It's not that. They, they, they knew what they were making. They knew people were going to hate it. But again, it, it it's made for kids. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, well, now we'll, we'll move on to our bigger kind of discussion and – we we don't normally do a lot of news related stuff because it kind of dates the podcast, but this is kind of a big uh, it's kind of a big thing that happened over the weekend. Yeah, uh, we're recording this on February twenty third. Uh, so Dandy Dio exits uh, DC Comics. He's uh, no longer Dandy Dio is a co publisher. He's been co publisher with Jim Lee. Oh, he had been since twenty ten. After actually. If- when oh, really? read, he was fired. He wasn't. He didn't just leave. I think yeah. I heard he was fired. I was gonna. I was gonna bring that up. That's what Bleeding Cool's reporting is that yeah. is that he was fired, and it was apparently due to uh, big bad work environment differences. Yeah, of of direction. So yeah, and there's really not a lot. Like as of recording, there's not a lot of uh, information about yeah. any of that stuff. There's been no statements other than one thing I did like seeing on Twitter. Uh, and, and, and like social media service, people that have worked with Dan DiDio, people that Dan DiDio gave a chance to, like, they're still very grateful to him because, I mean, he might have changed their lives probably. So there was a lot, there was a lot of like creator support because 
anybody getting fired, like that just kind of sucks, regardless of, you know, unless it's for like a, because you're a terrible person, which I don't know the end of the deal. But. Yeah, I mean, we can't really judge that. But I mean, what I did read was he was banking a really bad work environment. So it wasn't like he just like left. It was apparently the article I was reading is he was shown the door and asked to leave okay. from their headquarters in Burbank. Wow. Wow. Yeah, because he, like I said, I think after Paul Levitz retired in 2010, uh, mm-hmm. him and Jim Lee have been running stuff since. So I there's a there's a quick, I guess our dis- the discussion is, not really about him, but just kind of about DC Comics since 2010. That's what you guys may be familiar with. We have we have the New 52 from 2012 to 2016. And, uh, then, <laughs> and then DC, yeah, the, the mixed feelings about the, the New 52. Uh, we have DC Rebirths in 2016 to currently. Uh, no, that I'll get props for. And then we have what was supposed to be coming with is, which is the 5g stuff that the 5g that, yeah that we kind of i think i even mentioned that earlier so that's what the new wally west is supposed to be overseeing i think right. he's going to be like kind of formulating the 5g universe so first so, go ahead, <clears throat> well well and yeah and so i was i was reading yesterday there was an article uh that linked to uh this this 5g um uh, initiative which by the way i had to read like the entire article too because the the headline was at&t plans to shut down dc comics if 5g fails and i'm like how is the 5g like cell phone rollout related to this like and then i got through it's like oh it's the new you know it's all about rebirth corporate synergy yeah yeah exactly it's all vertical integration like jack jack donaghy would tell us so the comics are (laughs) right right the cell phones are 5g uh everything so now we know uh, Didio left to go work on the microwave division. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like the Hollywood reporters reporting on this and yeah, like out, outlets like that, which is like, it's cool that comics are mainstream kind of like that. Um, but I don't, you know, who knows how much of that is just them actually finding the news and how much of it is just like them copying from other, uh, other news outlets. Um, yeah, Bleeding Cool's article was the one where they said they had, I think they had claimed to have talked to people at DC and, and they said that uh, Didio was fired. Yeah. But again, it's I don't know. It's interesting that it happened on a Friday afternoon. That way, like, you have the, like, anything, <laughs> yeah. that, anything that happens Friday afternoon, like, you don't really care about it anymore. Everybody's checked out by then, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Monday yeah. back to work, like, oh, well, I guess something happened over the weekend. <laughs> so, very strategic. Uh, but he, so he's currently doing, he was currently writing Metal Men with Shane Davis. Uh, Shane Davis said that the miniseries will, will finish the 12 issues that they have yeah. planned. Um, so I, I didn't know he was a writer as well. Um, just based on, on what I was looking at, he wrote The Phantom Stranger after the New 52 came out, uh, Infinity People, which I've never read. And and the the last uh, the last of his stuff before Metal Man is uh, well, Sideways. The Infinity Men were they're new gods. They're actually they they were actually something that I, if I'm not mistaken, the Infinity Men were made by uh, um, Kirby. Kirby. Yeah, Kirby. Yeah, back from the late '60s when he mm-hmm. when he brought up the New Genesis mm-hmm. and all that stuff. They had the power to form into like I think Infinity Man. Like it was almost like they're like I want to say four or five teenagers that form into this one powerful being. And if you guys remember anything from. Um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, if you've watched Young Justice, you know the, the the bike that Superboy uses to fly in? Oh, yeah, yeah. 
That's their bike. Uh, okay. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the comics. I mean, I picked up a lot of stuff during New Fifty Two. Because uh, that's kind of when I got into it. I tried. I mean, I remember picking up all the launch issues, but after a while, I just I had to stop because it wasn't the DC Universe. And the only thing I really kind of kept reading, and I think, in my opinion, the only good thing that sort of came out of the New Fifty Two was the Green Lantern stuff. And, and that was well, just kind of. And the. Oh, sorry. Well, no. and, I mean. Good. Go, go ahead, Josh. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I mean, and and just I guess the fact that it 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 didn't change it, but the Wonder Woman run stayed the same, right? Like I don't no, believe Wonder Woman New Fifty Two. Oh, the it did. That, the only stuff that stayed the same was uh, Batman because he had Batman Incorporated, and then the okay. Green Lantern stuff. After outside of that, I think Wonder Woman's even supposed to be brand new too because you know is there was you know that the New Fifty Two started the whole Wonder Woman Superman relationship. And it was the the Brian Azzarello run that um, yeah, yeah yeah that's what um, I was that that she becomes the like the God of War. But I so was it Rebirth that they just continued the Wonder Woman stuff in? I just I, I remember one of the reboots had just Rebirth kind of kept took, going. It was supposed to be a continuation of New Fifty Two, but within the Rebirth saga, they started kind of reforming back into the pre Fifty Two universe. So they like okay, so one of the biggest things was. In new in the New Fifty Two, you had a new Superman, you had a new Batman. So you thought you know all oh, these they, they were. They were the same characters, but they got their histories kind of re-tangled a little bit. And then they had Divergence, and then you had the new, uh, the pre-52 Superman along with the new 52 Superman. So there's something there. So after the new 52 Superman dies, that new, the pre-52 Superman joins in, and somehow they reworked the history during Rebirth to where now basically he was the Superman from that history all along. Okay. It's a it's a mixed bag of cats. but Yeah, it's a whole mess. <laughs> but, but it allowed so, them to – so Rebirth allowed them to kind of pick and choose the continuity they wanted. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, but all right. So what, what, I guess I have two questions because this is somewhat out of my wheelhouse, but what is the purpose then of the 5G? I mean, I've heard it's, it's going to age the heroes. So they're older and there's like a new generation that comes in, but I mean, go go, go ahead. Go go and finish. Well, I I, I guess was this Didio's approach? Was it like, we're going to do stories for like, Five, you know, four or five years, and then we're going to reboot everything. We're going to do stories for four or five years, and then we're going to reboot everything. Like, is that is that partly what the tension comes from? I don't know. The one I, I the thing I heard on a podcast was they're going to be doing it'll be five one uh, one shots. It'll be five Gs, but they're going to be five Gs for five different generations. So first one's going to deal with, if I'm not mistaken, like the, a golden age. So we're actually going to get to Justice Society, and they said we're going to have Alan Scott, the originals are perfect, Jim Corrigan, Spectre. The second one's supposed to be like the new age. You know, we have, you know, the Superman, Batman, Barry Allen, Flash. And it's supposed to be five d- different generations of one shots. And apparently they said by the last one, it's supposed to be an age superhero where there's new superheroes where Jonathan Kent is now Superman. Lucius Fox, uh, Lucas Fox is now Batman and stuff. So they're trying to like, I think, give hmm. like, a, give a generation period. That's what the 5G is, five generations to five generation periods of the DC heroes. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, so. it's interesting, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the... It feels like a big. It feels like a gamble. Um, no, you're right. I mean, every yeah. every retcon yeah. is because people don't like new stuff. Apparently, I mean, we, we, I mean, I was, right now we still have. Good. Well, it's just. I mean, I I was just thinking last night, like how this has become the thing that DC does, right? Like, if you go back to Crisis in the in in the eighties, if they had just done Crisis and then 
gone forward without ever rebooting again, that would have been a monumental moment in kind of mainstream comics industry history, right? Like, like things are too convoluted. We need to reset it for a new generation. But then it just became this thing that DC does like every decade. It's like, all right, well, now we're going to do uh, uh, zero hour. Now we're going to do, you know, just, and it just kept going on and on and on. And sometimes people reading comics just want to read the character and not have to, constantly read a reinvention of the character exactly well i mean that's where was i going with this i mean that's what we we kind of have the problem now because you know you have the whole like you know age of the villain all the stuff going on in the justice league where they're trying to fix the the wall and save the multiverse and then you have a uh, doomsday clock and in the last issue of doomsday clock you have dr manhattan realizes oh somehow with superman something always changes and that's what sets a new reality and they bring back the Justice Society of America and the Legion of Superheroes, not the current Legion of Superheroes, the old Legion of Superheroes. But there's that, there's that thing in there where you, you have a uh, second girl go Clark and he goes Irma. And then you have him attack with the JSA and the Legion, all the villains. And But you have the JSA back in the Justice League who they were just kind of meeting the Justice League for the first time. But they felt there was some kind of connection. And now we have this new Legion of Superheroes where Jonathan Kent's now in the future as Superboy with the Legion of Superheroes. So there's this weird disconnect of... Even the even even they say like Doomsday Clock is supposed to be is is affecting that current universe with the Justice League, but there's still a disconnect of what's going on here. How do we still have multiple legions? Or are we going to another multiverse? They're not explaining all that well. And now we got Wally West, who's going to become the new, new Doctor Manhattan with the five G. So it's like, guys, pick something. Let's stick with something for a while and not have right. to change it. We we want sustainability. We we want a constant. Well, and that's that's right. going to lead to my next question for you guys. When you read when you read superhero comics, are you looking for like big continuity or are you looking for good like just a, a standalone stories and regardless of like whether it fits or not uh like what's what's your approach to kind of reading superhero comics well i mean this is what dc and don't get me wrong i think you know and i clay will always defend himself you know i, I hate marvel even though he's back on the bandwagon a bit you know he always says you know we always said dc did the stories a little bit better but now i feel like at least marvel has had a better way of at least keeping a little bit of continuity going then DC, DC, it's like there's a whole universe shakeup with Marvel. It's like, oh, well, guess what? There's been a change in the multiverse, but Captain America, you know, it, 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 he's always been like, he's been Captain America. He came from World War II. He came from, you know, he, he lost the costume, was the captain for a while. Eventually the captain became U.S., uh, the costume went to U.S. agent. You know, he, there was like, there's always been like, even though there have been some changes, there's always been like a, con a, a constant in their universe to where you don't have to go back. And, you know, it's just with the Marvel, the only problem is what's the time period? Because, you know, when we had the spider and we had the, the clone saga, they said yeah. everything from the death of Gwen Stacy up until the clone saga had been five years. And I'm like, so you're trying to say 25 years of history and Spider-Man stories took place in five years? How the hell? Frank so, yeah. Richards. <laughs> yeah, okay. See, there, again. <laughs> there you go. He is the answer and uh, question. Well, and that's the new – and if you guys read the first issue of Fantastic Four versus X-Men, the new one they got out now? Yeah. No, I, I, I need to. It's basically like it's not giving us spoilers, but it's basically the X Men trying to get Franklin to come live on Krakoa, and basically the Fantastic Four are trying to say no, we're not going to let him go. He's our son. So there's going to be there's yeah. a big friction happening. But what I love about it is the, the and this is where I think continuity comes in. They're using Kitty Pride to try to talk to Franklin, and he goes, "Why mean?" And then Xavier goes, "Because you have a connection to him." And they reference back to I think it was eighty six or eighty seven. The old uh, Fantastic Four versus X Men, where a Kate, a Kitty Pride was fading out of existence, and they wondered, Mister Fantastic is the one who saved her life. And there was, there was a. This is Franklin back when he was like five, and the only power he had was when he could, went to sleep. He could make like a, 
a, a dream version of himself. And so they connected. They're using that something from almost 20, 25 years ago as a connection to the current story arc. And I'm like, that's continuity right there if I've ever seen it. You're actually yeah, reaching yeah. back to something that still holds. DC has a real bad thing with that. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a, a really good point because it, again, I'm an anomaly because I don't read a lot of superhero stuff. And when I do, I just kind of dip my toe in to certain moments. But that's, again, like I said earlier, why I liked Green Lantern because not only was it a new team coming on, but it was also, it, it felt like reading old comics, just mm-hmm. fun single issues here and there, right? Um, but having said that, when I think of a reboot, and we're still in the early days of it, but when I think of a reboot, when I think of what Hickman and Aaron did with X-Men, it, it was kind of like Crisis. It was like, all right, there is a need for it now, right? And it was very thoughtful. It was rolled out in a very measured way and explained way and then it's like all right now we're going to turn it over to all these other teams to just write in this rebooted world and it made sense and it seems like dc's motto is we're just going to kind of go 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 and then we're like eh, we're bored let's just reboot everything again and 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 when they do a reboot they do a universe-wide reboot it's not within specific titles it's not like captain america becoming U.S. agent. Oh God, I just forgot the name. Um, yeah, yeah. U.S. agent. Yeah. Okay. John Walker. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not. It's not the Clone Saga that was just Spidey books and then alienated all the Spider-Man readers. It's not just X-Men, right? It's. It's. They do it system wide, and it's just so disruptive to readers. I don't. I don't really get it, and that's. And that's why I asked that question about was that kind of Didio's mo. You know, was that his approach was, all right, well, sales are lagging. Let's reboot everything and generate some hype because I, I don't often see Jim Lee involved in that. And I'm curious now as sole publisher, what his take is going to be on, on, on the DC world. Um, I'm also curious on to see, like, I think some of the better stuff that's been coming out of DC, it's all the, like the black label books. Yeah. Uh, the young adult books that, the Tom King that, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's again sure. very specific, you know. Yeah. So but, but like the the young adult books that are not yeah. related to anything, like they just kind of take the familiar character and they repackage it for a new audience. Uh like I'm wondering how is that stuff selling and moving? Like what part of the business that like co- as compared to the uh compared to the other books? Um, you know, so I, because I think people are looking for that kind of stuff right now where you don't need to have a, a, a 30 year investment into the past. Uh, you could just go in, pick something up uh, and it's different. It's, it's, it, it even has like different type of creators and stuff. So I wonder how that stuff, it'd be nice to kind of look into that and, and see how much of that is part of the, the DC business. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the difference is, and you made such a good point, Kyle, about like, how Marvel can reference something 25 yeah. five years ago and it's still regarded as canon, right? Even right. though it's part of this kind of like shift. I feel like I feel like for DC, the thing that has changed is in the old days, I'm gonna shake my fist at a cloud here. Um in the old days, canon was established haphazardly in that it would happen in one issue of a series, right? And then it suddenly later became this like you know canonized thing now i feel like dc always begins with world building and then goes down to characters exactly and and 
and they don't give their creators it seems like the the freedom to just insert these points of canon into their storylines that they can then build off of later which is i think a much more organic way of doing it well let me this is what i read recently because apparently the way they're sounding is like they're going to be rebooting daredevil to an extent but not like oh it's a whole Mm -hmm. new history I think they're going to, it's uh, Daredevil one more day, where basically I think they're going to do it with Spider-Man. When Spider-Man, oh. you know, out of his identity, and they're basically going to start the new issue where he's back in the red costume again. And I think the one more day, there's a picture of Daredevil in the red mask, but he's wearing a yellow hood. It's, it's his dad's old boxing uh, hood that he used to wear. Ah, and, nice. And the rumors are he's going to do something where basically he's going to, his everybody's memory of him being Matt Murdock is going to be erased so he can be Daredevil one more time. So, again, it's not changing the whole emphasis on the whole universe it's given uh, a character a single character a fresh start again in a branded universe right exactly um okay so yeah i mean that the thing that kind of covers our and like i said there's not a lot of details on like the actual what's going on within the deal i just thought it'd be interesting to kind of talk like because look i don't even really know exactly what the publisher does other than maybe he's the dude in charge of everything right to me, it feels like one of those titles where it's like a CEO where they kind of give us the overall direction of a company, but like it's really still up to like the creators and the editors and the staff to make sure that all that stuff happens, right? Um, so I, I'm interested to see. I think Jim Lee, uh, you know, I think he's more more on the creative side. I don't know exact. I mean, he's he's a great businessman, but I don't know how much he can I don't, i'm interested to see if they'll bring in somebody else uh to help him out with with that stuff um because you know jim lee's been doing this forever now so yeah but look, look, i want to compare this one other way look at you know we're talking about dc versus marvel and the whole like you know continuity and their universes look at the way they try to run their cinematic universe compared to marvel's marvel has had a and granted i know disney is in charge of the movies but still like, at least they kept a cohesive kind of shell around what they wanted to have DC, they're all over the fucking place. You know, it's like, you know, now we have uh, Harley Quinn, the Birds of Prey, and it's still Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, but is that still set in the same universe where the first Squad, <laughs> Squad is, or is it not? Right, right. We've got the Joker film, we got the Batman coming out. It's like, you know, they, they just don't know, they don't seem to know where they want to, how they want to contain or what they want to do with their stuff. Yeah. Well, and... and- oh, oh, I was just okay, going to plug our episode from last week of Birds of Prey, go listen to it. <laughs> Well, and 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 I was gonna say, uh, yeah, and, and and again, I've said this before. When Joker was a hit, but now DC's saying, oh, well, you know what? Let's do a lot more of these, you know, single focused R rated things. And it just it feels like it's gonna be the comics industry after the success of Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns, which is let's make dark gritty stuff. Yeah. And it's like you, you're not really getting the point here, you know? Like it's not that it's dark and gritty that made it, you know, successful. Well, if that's what they want to do, that's fine. Let it make one shot dark and gritty stuff, but don't try to connect it into a single universe. I think the Joker worked so well because it was his own standalone thing. Like, if you want to make standalone yeah. single shot mm-hmm. movies, keep it that way. If you want to make like a dark, not Green Lantern, but like a dark Harley Quinn film, or I'm trying to think of single like characters that aren't necessarily in the, the vast cosmic way of it, but like if you want to do like, I mean, I would almost like to see like it, it'd be interesting, but like an origin story for like the Rogues. Like maybe a, a rogue kind of like origin film, like how they first come together. Like say there was a rogues team before the Flash ever appeared. Let's see, uh, you know, Leonard Schnart and Mick Rory and like that isn't some kind of thing because you know it's I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how they might pull that off. 
Oh yeah, I'm 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 not concerned about that. I guess my concern is what what DC's taking from the success of Joker is not let's give this to auteurs who can do something unique with it, but let's remake the dark gritty tone of Joker and that's their end all be all, right? Yeah. Um which I think is a huge mistake cuz then they may end up again like we saw in comics in the mid uh, late 1980s. It's just going to be, we're just going to take this character and make them dark and gritty and this character and make them dark and gritty. And it's like, that's, you, you're, again, you're, you're, if that's what you do, you're missing the point. And, and I yeah. should point out, by the way, last night I finally watched Joker. So I am now can speak to it. So <laughs> I mean, you want to for a little bit? I mean, it'll be a good segue into our last topic. So yeah, I mean, I, it's 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 way out, it's way out of date because I'm always so far behind and stuff. I will just say this: the the first half of that film I felt was self indulgent crap. <laughs> I really, <laughs> I did not like it, and I would say that I feel like it is a self indulgent film made utterly masterful by the acting of the, the actors. They, I think they took a what could have been a really awful, tropey, um, very, very kind of expected plot, and made it something really stunning. Um, well, so, yeah, and that's why I think that's why I think the first half is a trope. They want you to make make you think that this film is a certain kind of thing, and then they just, yeah. they, they do a full three sixty, and like, oh shit, okay. Uh, yeah, I think to a certain degree. I mean, I think um, where. Where it re- is going to sound weird to say, where it really shines is in the very, like the the very tense use of violence. It's it, it's it's done in very specific moments, and when it's done, like I gasped every time because I was just like, I, I I it's not that I wasn't expecting it; it's that it just it still hits you like a punch in the face. Yeah. Um, I thought what that I was, was very effective. Oh, go ahead. No, what I loved about it, I think I mentioned this on the show before, is like I have a friend who likes crime stuff like that. He he loves Scorsese's, like uh, you know, the cab drive, taxi driver, and you know, King of Comedy. And the thing is, I told him you would probably enjoy this film because it's not a comic book film sense in what you think it is. And he goes, "Yeah, but I'm not sure I want to know the origin story of the Joker." And what you get in this film is you're not even sure what the origin of the Joker is in this whole story because everything is almost a lie. Everything he thinks is true or possible truth ends up being, well, it could also be a lie. So you're never going to know exactly what your history is. And I right, think that, right. And I think and now he'll actually probably go see it. I think the fact that you yeah. did that, like you make it so, you thought you were in a narrow path, but then you realize, oh, no, this is so vague and you're never going to officially know. But I think that's what one of the things that I, I loved about it. Yeah. No, I, I, the, I, I did appreciate the fact that it didn't feel the need to spell out everything for uh for the viewer so like i loved i i i I would have turned it off if if the moment he opened the letter his mom sent to thomas wayne and you heard him read it out loud i would have been like i'm out like that is (laughs) that is the worst way to approach that and it doesn't it does a very good job with that i i really felt if, if i could just give props to the director for i guess just one moment it's the very very last shot as he's walking out of the room and he's leaving little blood trails on the ground. And that was chilling. And I was like, Oh my God, like that's, that's really good. But other than that, I really thought it was like, it was Phoenix. It was, uh, uh, De Niro. It was, uh, I forget her name, the actress that plays the neighbor. Yeah. Thank you. Um, they're all very good. Very, very good. And, uh, I think they'd taken otherwise, 
again, tropey, you know, kind of script and just make it fantastic. So, and I think, I think anyway. the, the score of that film, it's also something that brings a lot of attention. I think, what's her name? Hilda. Uh, Hilda go, uh, you know, it, it's so funny. I yeah. had albums of hers in my collection. And, really? then, and then when Joker came out and it popped up and I'm like, wait, a new album by this person. I've listened to this like avant-garde classicist. I'm like, what? Oh wait, it's her. So well, yeah. yeah. Um, she got the yeah. Oscar. So, I mean, you know, good, good. It's right. a fantastic score. Yeah. So, but I just love the fact that two years in a row we've actually had comic book films win Academy Awards. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like yeah. you know. Okay. I feel like Black Panther was forced, but Spider Verse on its own. I think when it's on its own accord, and now Joker won on its own accord. But you know, the fact we, we they're now being pushed. Like, guess what? Comic book films are now in this area. You can't snub your nose to them anymore. Right. Because they're actually yeah. becoming legit works of art. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I, I felt Black Panther earned every accolade it got. Well, that no, is still I, I, my favorite Marvel movie by far. So it, it does, but I felt like the battle to try to get it to be in the Academy Awards was like, Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Like, it, it earned its award, but I think it, like the Academy was trying, or Disney was trying to force it to be accepted by the Academy. They're trying to add that new category or something, but <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's, that's a good segue into our last topic before our recommendations. Uh, so, we got a glimpse of a, a new Batman suit. Uh, we got some test footage uh, and some pictures. You mean Daredevil? And, yeah, so you mean... Yeah, you it looks guys... like the Daredevil costume. The suit armor he wears at the end of season one, it looks like the freaking Daredevil armor. Yeah, especially because they didn't show us the... They only show you, like, from the eyes down. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, I'll try to put a link on the on the notes to... to well, but if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have seen some kind of picture of Robert Batman. You it's, see it's a, a good shot there. of it. No, they, oh, they actually sorry. have a. I think they actually actually have a video of him driving a motorcycle. It looks like with the yeah. bat mask on. It's just like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a stuntman, I think, and so I don't know if that changes the dimensions of the suit at all. But I, oh my god, I would. Is it just me? I'm so tired of the armored bat suit. I'm really, yes. really yes. sick of it. And, and you know, and I, I was thinking back. I was rewatching uh, Tim Burton's Batman. That is still the best film, Batsuit. Thank, Thank you. It is this. It is this perfect balance between superhero and armor, and it just yeah. works. And since then, it's like the, the guy just wears like, <laughs> like, like I could fight crime in that suit. And I'm a I'm a pudgy middle aged man. I mean, I'm just saying, like, you give me an armored suit like that, I could feel pretty confident beating up people. I wouldn't. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying, it's like it it doesn't give any sense of what makes Batman kind of a crazy person of just going out in the world and fighting crime without any superpowers. Uh, well, all right. That's kick why ass. Like, that's why I like right. Affleck. You know, and before you got to the owl man outfit in justice league, I mean, he was wearing a suit, you know, it was like, it was a spandex yeah. kind of suit. And that's why I was like, okay, I, yeah. I can deal with this, you know? Cool. Uh, so <laughs> there's also a lot of theories of like what the, what his logo is made out of. Uh, um, some people say it could be just weapons or like a battering. Yeah. Some people say like it's Joe Chill's gun that killed his parents, so he molded no. it. <laughs> no, where are they getting this from? So <laughs> I will say in, in Detective Comics one thousand, Kevin Smith's story was it was not that, but it was similar. It was a similar concept where he, where Bruce Wayne finally tracks down the gun that killed his parents uh, on the black market. He melts it down and then he reshapes it to be like the uh, the 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 armor under his uh, logo. You mean the bulletproof? Uh, yeah, yeah. Wears? So he just oh, makes it. Yeah. He just makes it. 
he makes it into a thing. It's not like he just took like the gun, uh, the whatever you call it, and then put it on his chest. But there's also a lot of theories that it looked like it could be a mechanical, like knives or, or, or a, a, a battering type of thing, which I think that would be cool because in, in Titans, I do like when Robin takes the R and use it as, uses it as a throwing oh, star. Yeah, or like a, a, a grappling hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So stuff yeah. like that. I think if, it, if it's functional, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just interesting that all the choices they've kind of made, the the cow looks like it's made out of leather because you can see some stitching if you really like dive deep into the picture. So I like the fact that the cow is made out of, like it's like an actual mask as opposed to oh, like you guys mentioned. I just saw that now, yeah. And and then the collar, I really like the collar on the. Case. I do like the collar. I I I and that was the thing I was most excited about was the collar. But why does he have Black Widow's um, the bracelet? Thing, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> so yeah. That that part is interesting. I don't know. Maybe there's going to be something CGI on there. Um, in all the pictures, he's not wearing a cape when he's riding the motorcycle. I saw that. Yeah. So they're is, probably going to CGI it on. Which I remember when uh, Christopher Nolan was doing uh, the Dark Knight movies, they were afraid that when he was riding the Bat Pod, the cape would get caught in the motorcycle. So they, oh. they no, cape. no capes, <laughs> right? But once they tried it out, they saw that the cape would just flow yeah. and it looked super cool. So they left it. Um, so, but yeah. this movie maybe they'll maybe this movie will uh, have a yeah they'll just have a cape. Uh, maybe they'll do like a CGI cape, like it spawns cape. Like just behind it. Uh, I don't know. That could... I, I, I'm not looking for again. Again, oh, that's what that's what makes the original Burton Batman suit so neat. Is that Kate has weight? Like it 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 flaps when he turns. It's I yeah. know. I'm 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 just an old fuddy duddy, but I really no, like that. I still to this day say the Burton film is the best Batman film out there. I'm gonna get, I get chastised for it, but that's my favorite film. You know, no, nothing against Nolan, but it's just it's. He uh, is Batman, the Burn film, is the best one. I love it, but I will test as you because my the Dark Knight's my favorite film. So I I kind of feel like it goes Dark Knight and then Batman Burton one and then Batman Burton two. So wait, Thank Batman you. two Burton. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm really interested is also and this could be kind of the closing thoughts of this, but all the villains they've cast in this movie, like I don't know how they're gonna I don't know what the story's gonna entail. Uh, Wait, yeah. Okay. So who who all's in it? We have a okay, Penguin. So- uh, it's uh, what's his name? Um, shit. No, Zoe Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. And only yeah. reason I bring that up. Oh, that's, that's gonna be good. It. Yeah. Oh no, uh, she's on that new TV series, High Fidelity, on Hulu, which is actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's the yeah. remake of the movie and books, but yeah. But I forgot that she was gonna be Catwoman. I was like, okay, now I'm actually okay with this. So they've cast <laughs> Colin Farrell as uh, as the Penguin. They've cast uh, the Riddler. I don't remember the Riddler uh, who the they've cast, but they have cast somebody as the Riddler. So it looks like they have. Our, I kind of want this movie to take place in Arkham, and it's just like, like Batman the one night in Arkham or something, trying to get kind of like the Arkham Knight. Oh, not the Arkham Knight, but the Arkham Asylum games. That it was I'm a not- little. I want a reservation. Stop making Batman kill. He's not a killer. Yeah, he may not. If you want to make a dark and gritty movie? It's fine, but don't kill off every. That's the problem. I, I'm glad about the crisis. It's like in all the damn series, they almost kill off every villain they have, and now the fact they're of all these villains back alive, I'm like, okay, now they can do the CW shows a little bit better. 
don't make him a kill. You don't have to kill off every villain that you have. Huh. So when Marvel movies kill their villains, it's okay, but Batman does it and everyone loses their mind. <laughs> because that okay, was what so- kept him from being like all the guys. He doesn't kill like his villains do. He kills the villains. He becomes one of them. Okay, well, I have to see this movie now because there is a rule I have, and it is I will watch anything with Jeffrey Wright in it. And he's playing Commissioner Gordon, which yep. is fantastic casting. And that so I have to see I have to see him as Commissioner Gordon. I can't not. Um, there we go. All right. And apparently uh Paul Dano is the riddle. Yeah, Paul Dano. There you go. Okay. So okay, well, let's uh move on to our last segment of the day. Um so we would want to give us some recommendations. I have something ready if you guys need a minute. Um, no, I'm, go for it. I'm good. Okay. So I, I want to recommend Batman and the Outsiders Volume 1 uh, from 20, I think it's 28, the most recent, 2019, uh, by Brian Hill with art by Dexter Soy. Um, this team follows Mr. T- so Batman recruits Mr. Terrific to, to put together the, the Outsiders team. Uh, and you'll you can see uh, Orphan Cassandra Kane is in it, uh, the Signal Duke from his his latest Batman run, uh, he's in it. Katana's in it, uh, and it's just uh, and they they make up some new characters as well. But it's Mister Terrific leading the team, and there's a very interesting dynamic with him and with Mister Terrific and Batman, because Mister Terrific doesn't know why would Batman get him to lead the team when he's Batman like. <laughs> so he feels like it's some kind of test or something. It's it's very it's a very interesting dynamic because Bruce is just like, no, I'm like you, like I want you to do it because I think you're capable. Like you are, I, I'm not the person to do this. I'm not the person to teach these uh, younger heroes yeah. how to like be effective. And you know, but that, that's why I chose you because, I mean, Jefferson. Uh, oh no, that's. Did I say Mr. Terrific? I'm in Black Lightning. You did. Jeez. Oh, sorry, wow. Sorry. All right. It's Black Lightning. Man, I have a very different image in my head then. I so was I thinking of the, the Terrific's book. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's, the it's Prince Black is the two, but yeah. Give the man credit where credit's due. Yeah. It's Black Lightning <laughs> leading the team. Uh, I'm going to have to edit this so I feel so I sound smart. No, no, no. Leave it in. Leave it in. <laughs> you need some chastising yourself. Uh, but yeah, that, that's my recommendation. Uh, it, inc- it It's seven volumes too, so like you get oh. your bang for your buck. Dexter Soy's art is just super cool. Like his character designs. Uh, if you like like just big punchy action hero books, this is one of I think this is one for you. So so mine is uh, as usual not directly a comic, but uh two Morrow's publishing. That's T W O Morrow's. I like tomorrow, but T W O. Um they have been putting out a series of books called American Comic Book Chronicles, and it goes decade by decade the history of American comics. And um, I bring it up only because I've, I've bought the first few. I've got the 1940s, the 1950s. They're up to the 1980s. I just released, I want to say this week or last week. Um, you can get them all on their website as PDFs for like five bucks, maybe no more than $10. Um, they're really great reads. And it just it's a good way of looking at the history of American comics, uh, just kind of isolated to a particular decade they also incorporate sales figures and things and i know it sounds like super wonky but it's 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 kind of shocking and surprising to see what was actually selling and popular because that that drove the way the comics industry developed really for the first 30 years uh, 30 40 years so cool cool uh kyle what about you 
I'm going to go a little bit older just because we've been because talking about Green Lantern. I've actually been going through and kind of cleaning out some of my trade paperbacks, and I forgot uh, from again Rebirth. Uh, no, no, not Rebirth. New Fifty Two. Uh, Green Lantern and the New Guardians. This dealt with Kyle Rayner and basically a new formation of the Guardians, one Lantern from each of the different uh, Lantern tribes. And basically, eventually, it, this led to Kyle becoming the White Lantern, the ultimate Lantern for everything, So, which led him to re, restart everything in the new rebirth. But it just, it's interesting to see like a member from the, you know, Sinestro, from, you know, a Star Sapphire, the Red Lanterns all work together to try to take on, you know, try to deal with like the actual Guardians themselves kind of going insane and them trying to save the universe. Was it just Larfreeze? No, Larfreeze was the only Orange Lantern, but it was one of his constructs that joined the team. Oh, okay. So it was like, I was about to so say. It, well, the first issue deals with they, they explain how Oa got destroyed. Ganthet takes the ring, goes to uh, Kyle, goes five years later. Kyle's on Earth, and all of these other lanterns have a ring that basically the rings leave them and almost leave them stranded or dead. And they all go to Kyle. He becomes the White Lantern. Members from the other lantern uh, groups attack Kyle. He goes to Oa. They realize he's the White Lantern, and the Guardians are trying to stop him. So basically, he's able to convince all the other lanterns that are trying, you know that are trying to get these rings back to, hey, we need to figure out what's going on. And so, like, I'm reading, you know, reading volume two right now, and, and the uh, the team that did is Tony Beard, or Beard and Tyler Kirkham Bat. But it's just a really good story because you're, you're dealing with a member from each Lantern group trying to basically kind of figure out what what's going on with the universe and what the Guardians are doing. Oh, I need to go back and check that out because Kyle's my favorite. He's, my, he's, my, he's what got me to becoming a major Lantern fan. And this one, like, it's just fun. It's... I was really, I didn't realize when the new 52 came out, I they got, I thought they got rid of Kyle. And then I found out that they actually had a Green Lantern series based with him as the central Green Lantern character. I was like, all right, I'm back in. Cool. <laughs> so. it, cool. Who's the Blue Lantern on that book? Who's the what? The Blue Lantern. Uh, it starts off with St. Uh, Walker? Uh, St. Walker, yeah. Cool. I like him too. I like him yeah, a lot. Exactly. I like the dynamic of the blue and the green just making yes. each other stronger. It's, a, it's a, such a cool concept that Jeff Jones came up with. Um, all right. Let well, me, uh, sorry, ahead, just a quick, uh, clarification with those books, uh, in PDF form on tomorrow's website, they're like $15, but they vary in price decade by decade. But again, you can get them pretty cheap as just a, a PDF. So, and I saw you update the notes here. Thank you for that. I'll put the link on the notes. You're welcome. Um, so I think that's it. I think, thanks for the, we had a pretty good show. I think, uh, yeah. hopefully we'll, we'll be back soon with, uh, with the full team on board. Uh, this episode might sound a little different because we are recording remotely. So well, I forget. Do we have another member outside of Clay? I mean, uh, I don't know. If, was there somebody else on the yeah, podcast? Yeah, who is that guy? Uh, I don't know. I thought you know, there was a fifth member. <laughs> uh, maybe we need to we need to summon him back. Like, there's some kind of ritual that we haven't performed for 2020. Uh, maybe we need to re up our, our subscription to uh, Adrian Prime. Something. I, I have no room to talk. I've, I've missed like three in a row. So uh. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Uh, but yeah, cool. Um, that'll do it for today. So thanks, guys. All right. No problem. See thanks. Ya. Thanks for joining us. You can find Next Issue at uh, on Twitter at Next Issue Pod, on Twitch at Next Issue, and on Facebook at Next Issue Podcast. You can find Clay on Twitter at Clay underscore Harrison, Kyle at Kylepedia, Adrian at Adrian underscore Harry, Daniel at Echo Spider, and Josh at Cosmosis. Hail Bebo.